Hey everybody, this is Zach from Retro Game Guys. I had the pleasure of chatting with Tim Gadler, who was a game counselor for Sega back in the 1990s. That was during the heyday of the Genesis slash Mega Drive. Tim had a lot of great stories to share, including how he got into game counseling, the game that generated the most calls for help, and no, it wasn't Sonic the Hedgehog, and a Sega magazine cover that was a bit controversial. If you have a question for Tim, you could find him on Twitter at Tim Gadler. And regular episodes of the Retro Game Guys podcast will resume in January with Battletoads on the NES and Genesis. And I'm already having an interesting time with this title. We'll leave it there for now. All right, here's our interview with Tim Gadler. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Tim, thanks for being on the Retro Game Guys podcast. G'day, mate. How are you yeah. going? <laughs> very good. Very good. See, it's right very after good. Christmas. Uh, yeah. The weather's a little bit warmer than ours over here. Yeah, it's a um, bit warm, bit warm. So it's 100 degrees in your measurements over there. Um, yeah, and I think it's going to get a bit hotter than that. So we've got a couple of days coming up with that. So, yeah, very That's warm. Good. Yeah. Very warm. So yeah. just so our listeners know, so you're based in uh, Melbourne, Australia, correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mel- <laughs> Melbourne, not not, yeah. not Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> just I, I, Melbourne. I, got a, I got a feeling this won't be the last time you're correcting me about this podcast yeah. here. <laughs> and it's but, not Aussies. Yeah. <laughs> it's Aussies. <laughs> you got Aussies. I'm learning. I'm learning here. Good. Well, good just, man. Good man. <laughs> you can't see it, but uh, I'm, I just so happen to be wearing an ACDC t-shirt. Very here. appropriate. So, yeah, Very the, the uh, greatest uh, Australian rock band of all time. Would you agree with that one? Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, uh, no two ways about it. There's a lot of indies down here that not much of the rest of the world knows about. But, um, yeah, definitely Akadaka, mate. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to this interview here. i got a lot of questions for yeah. you. So can you tell us uh, and everybody else what uh, job you had with Sega and uh, what years did you uh, work there? Okay, so my job was a games counsellor. Um, so what my job was is that I took calls from um, kids and I, and I always say lonely housewives. <laughs> 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 they would get stuck on a game and uh, my job was to help them out um, over that. And the thing that people have to get their head around was that there was no internet back then. That's right. So the only way, the only way you could get through games was uh, wait patiently for the next um, edition of whatever your favourite video game mag was back then, or you called up people like us, and uh, yeah, yeah, we helped you out. Um, so I, I came into Sega. Uh, geez, it was it was a little after Sonic the Hedgehog had been released, a little bit after that, um, and I worked there. Geez, oh, it was trying to remember. It's almost. Uh, I reckon it was about five or six years. I've lost track. Um, yeah, but it was a fairly long time. Yeah, so yeah. so that's what I basically did. The, the main cool. job was just taking calls <laughs> and, then, and cracking games, yeah. writing, update, updating <laughs> the database there whenever somebody, uh, when somebody got through to a further stage of it. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's what I did. Hmm. Well, I know that was about 91, you know, 96. That was about the yeah. heyday of Sega. I remember oh, how yeah. big Sega was in, you know, in living rooms and playgrounds. And I mean, yeah. the talk was everything was about Sega. And, you know, Nintendo was the king of the hill for 
forever until this oh, yeah. point, at least, you know, when I was playing games and all of a sudden Sega just comes into the scene and they were a bit of a threat and all of a sudden they were, they were number one for a while there. Yeah. So you guys were, must've been, you know, inundated with calls. And I know I called, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I called <laughs> Sega. I know I called Nintendo's game counselors quite yeah. a few times <laughs> after begging my yeah. parents to, you know, be okay with that dollar a minute charge or whatever it was back then. Uh, but, yeah. but you're right. There was, there really wasn't many options at the time. Yeah, exactly. And um, and here in Australia, Sega was even bigger. Um, Nintendo had a market share, but nothing, nothing compared to what Sega uh, had here. We were probably, I would be tipping about seventy percent of the market um, down here. When people sort of looked at Nintendo, they, they sort of looked at it like, oh, the gameplay is good, but it just looked rubbish. That that was. Mm. The, the general view, and that was when um, the NES first came out. But of course, the, the Super Nintendo came out, and, and slowly attitudes changed towards Nintendo down here. So, yeah, no, but Sega had, yeah, massive market share down here. That's very interesting. How did you become a Sega game counselor? Was it something that you you know, wanted to do? You know, knew somebody that were that was doing it, or something you just fell into? No, it was something I never knew existed. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, if you want to play the sorrowful, sad music in the background. So um, when, when I was a teenager, I had real big problems with my type 1 diabetes. I was always in and out of hospital. So um, my blood sugars would keep on going high no matter what I did, no matter how much insulin I put in, I'd just keep on going high. So I'd often have... Uh, what they call ketone acidosis and go into comas. Um, so it was. Oh, don't don't be sorry. That's that's life, mate. You know, <laughs> got got through to the other end. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I was just in a small country town called um, Beechworth, which is uh, northeast Victoria. Uh, northeast Victoria. Victoria's our state, so it's northeast of Melbourne. And we I lived in a town of a population of about three and a half thousand people. And I came, uh, I, the first thing I got was a little Pong set just mm-hmm. in 1980. And then I got an Atari 2600. And then, um, you know, I'd be looking around. I was, I was always interested, interested in video games. I was always playing them. I was always getting the magazines. But then I came across uh, the Master System. And um, I, my heart was set on that. And the main reason was, I don't know, to me at that time, there were games there that were ported from the arcade onto the system as best as they could, and it just looked better. You know, the colours, the graphics, the animation, it just looked better. So I got hooked on that. So all I could do in, in hospital really was um, watch... Um, you know, documentaries on regional television. So that was so much fun. And trust me, I don't know if you if it's if you remember if you ever went into the country and watched what uh, regional television was like. It was all about um, sheep drenching, um, field day conventions. You know, where people would show off their tractors. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I got anything against it, but you know, as a as a team growing up. It didn't really Absolutely. interest you that much. I can imagine Sega a Master System would sound a lot more exciting than, yeah, than watching whatever right. happens to be on local TV. I get, I get that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, so I became such a fanboy. Uh, I I looked on the back of one of the uh, games, and it, it said uh, Sega of America, and I thought, right, how do I find out the address for Sega of America? So mm, I did a little bit of scrounging around and came across an address which was um, in San Francisco. And I was sent off and I said, oh, I'm a big fanboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that I was that got, just to, you wanted, you wanted to send a letter to Sega yeah, of America? Like, say, I just, yeah, they, I just wanted okay. to say, you know, it was, oh, your games are great. Uh, you know, what's coming out, you know, because I wanted yeah. to know, I wanted to know before anyone else. Um, I just wanted to be a little bit ahead of the curve, yeah. and, and may, that may t- sound strange to some of the some of the younger listeners. But as we talked about mm. in our last mm. Pitfall episode, writing letters was really common. I mean, there was uh, yeah. I think was it um, Activision said they got fourteen thousand letters a, a month yeah. based on Pitfall. But yeah, that was really common, right? You just yeah. write companies and all these sorts of things, which now it you know you, <laughs> it seems a little strange it's, to go through yeah. that much trouble, right? To, yeah, there was no other way you could do it. And you've also got to understand the tyranny of distance. So, you know, you think you can send a package package to Australia or vice versa. You know, on average, it might take about two weeks. Back then, it would take three months. It would take so freaking long for anything to be sent anywhere because inefficiencies, technology wasn't that good those days. So you had to be a very patient person back then. So, um, yeah, so uh, sent, off, sent off a couple of letters and a woman by the name of Judy Jett, or Jette, um, as she's um, properly known by, um, and she wrote back. And so we became pen pals and she told me about what was coming out. She told me about how Induce, Enduro Racer was coming out on the Master System. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for this. And, um, cool. yeah, yeah, oh, and I've still got the letters to this day. I still got these letters. Um, so you were writing here. You were you were a, a fanboy, and yeah. you were just excited to have anything to do with Sega, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. now there's this person who, right? I mean, she works at Sega, right? Writing yeah. you back. That's a, yeah, that's amazing. That's right. That, I think yeah. she was um, part of customer relations or head of customer relations. But the scary thing is that her name, and I don't know how this has happened. Um, you know, like how they do credits at the end of the game. You know, thanks for. And her name appears on a few games. One of those is Crazy Taxi. Hmm. Uh, yeah, n- not on the arcade, but on like the uh, on the Dreamcast. I think it came out on the Saturn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just strange. I have it right on my shelf, right here in front of me. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to set this one aside to play later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you should see her name. But if you if you type her name in uh, Google. You'll see her name come up uh, where her credits appear in in various games. Yeah. Um, so, you know, months were going by, letters are going back and forth, and then one day, uh, a box comes through. Going, you know, what the hell is this? And so, I open open up this box, and there were sheets of paper, like, and, and they were all typed down. All right. So I'm looking through them. I'm like, these are cheats. These are wow. These are walkthroughs. These are walkthroughs for every level. But the scary thing was is that because Sega down here was was licensed to Aussie Soft, 
And so we had to wait patiently to be to get um, the go-ahead to release certain games of it and we'd sort of decide which ones we would go with. But the thing was, about 70% of what I had in that box were for games that had not been released in Australia yet. There was wow. no, yeah. So I'm hearing about all these new games. I heard about them coming out through magazines or that or through Judy. And I'm like, walkthroughs, cheats and all that. And and once again, if you wanted to get a cheat, you had to wait till you got That's right. a magazine uh, or you just had to buy luck, work it out for yourself. And I don't know you how you could it, have so done then it. You had the box of gold. I mean, this is like internet, yeah. in a, you know, internet in a box. <laughs> in a way, you had well, all this. Basically. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's that's incredible. That's incredible. That's right. So anyway, I'm sitting on all this useful information. Um, I wasn't sure what, what can I do with it. So anyway, one day I get I get a video game. Can't remember which one it was. It might have been Afterburner. No, I'm not too sure. Anyway, so I get the game. Look on the back, and it says "stuck on the game." Call up the single hotline on. <laughs> Yeah, and it was a 02 number, so it was up in Sydney. Um, so I was like, there's a hotline? Oh, my God. Okay, so I ring them up, tested them out. Yep, that's great. And then I started asking questions. How do I get a job? How do I get a job? So every week I'd be calling up on toll rates trying to find out how to get a job. And so um, I think they gave in. At the end, and they wanted to, they they wanted to to interview me, and they I gave a hint that oh look I've got something here that you guys need, but I didn't really let on what it was. Mm. So anyway, uh, they asked me for an interview, and you know going and I had to just basically go up to Sydney, and, and back then it was quite pricey. You know you know how you can get cheap flights these days, but back then it was really expensive. So. So mum and dad kindly paid for my trip up and back. So I went up there, went for the interview, and they asked me the one question. So what can you bring to this company over anyone else? And then glad I, you asked. Yes, Ooh, I'm glad you <laughs> And so I slid over this bit of paper. I go, what's it? Have a read. <laughs> Have a read. Look at it. And they go, where did you get this? I said, well, told them a bit of a story about Judy and that. Oh, well, can you give us more? I said, oh, no, 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 I can give you more. Mm, depends. You know, it's a little bit of bribery there. So um, I went back down to Beechworth and they, they gave me a call. We'd like to have you on. And because of my, because of my plethora of information that I had, it helped update the data bar, uh, database and set it up for the future wow. and really build up it, um, help, you know, we were ahead of the curve. So when the game got released, we already had the information there ready to go. So I had to pack up everything, get in the little car and drive 10 hours up to, <laughs> up, to, um, up to Sydney and set myself up there. And that was my first job. That was my first ever job. Yeah. That's fantastic. What was that yeah. first day like, actually, as a Sega employee? Did you have, you know, like a pinch me moment, or a, did it feel real to you, or was it just, I mean, how, how did that it, feel? It was, it was a pinch me moment um, because the first thing, 
going back to all the troubles that I had with my health mm-hmm. and living in a small town, I didn't see any way I was going to be able to get out of there. Um, it was hard to get jobs in town. And I, unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to finish me, me schooling. Uh, so, I didn't, you know, I really didn't know what I was going to do, but I got a job in what I was good at and what I loved. So when I'm sitting there and I'm seeing, you know, pictures of Sonic the Hedgehog around me, people taking calls from around Australia, helping out people, and everyone is basically uh, a fan of Sega as well around you, you're just feeling like, well, how the hell did I fluke this? I'm so lucky. So I, I, I was so grateful um, I still am so grateful for that opportunity because if that didn't happen, I, I wouldn't know where I'd be now. Yeah. That's, right. that's really yeah. great. I mean, I know that I'm sure there's so many people out there that, that that's all they could ever ask for and dream for, right? Is just to be able to spend their day doing what they love and, and being around yeah. people that also love something very similar. And that's, yeah, that's great. Look, I love the job. I've said this in a few other interviews. I said, I love the job so much. I'd come in and help out when I wasn't even supposed to be there. Um, I just help out because I loved my job. I loved the company. Um, didn't matter if I wasn't going to get paid. I just wanted to be there. <laughs> you know? so, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was a dream job. What was a typical shift or day like? Like you, you mentioned the uh, Lonely Housewives. <laughs> you mentioned the frustrated you know, kid players and all that. I mean, I'm sure that there's yeah. some... This is why we're here, right? We want, we want the stories. We want the juice, Tim. <laughs> Give us a glimpse into what your day was like. Oh, okay. So you come in, uh, say hi to everyone. Uh, just get um, an update on any changes, uh, any new releases that were going to come out, and then you sat down and you took your calls. Now, the thing you'd, you'd understand that during the week, and early on in the day, it was pretty slow because all the kids were at school. And if if they gotcha. well, if we were getting calls from kids, well, they're obviously uh, what we call wagging from school. You know, with <laughs> the school. <laughs> all right. Well, it could be like me just stuck in hospital. Anyway, so <laughs> so so we get calls from people, uh, but that that it would pr- be pretty slow during the day. So that gave us a, a chance to play the games. And get us firstly upskilled um, and be familiar with those games because there's, there's nothing worse than getting a call from a person. You can read text on the screen. That's all fine. But you've got to be able to know where they're at. So, mm. so if, you, if they say, oh, I see a red box uh, on this screen and I can't get past it, you know exactly what they're talking about. You know, that's all it takes. So you have to get familiar with the games and then update the database if you if you can add some more information to that. So, you know, you have games that are uh, fully complete with data, uh, with information and walkthroughs, but some of them, you know, they're probably only halfway through because we haven't had the chance to complete them all. So you had to get in there and crack the games and, you know, put them on pause, update the database, continue on wow. so that's what we would do yeah 
playing the game, I agree. I mean, you you need to mm. be able to understand the experience. Mm. And I, I actually remember mm. a couple of calls that when I called Nintendo, trying to mm. explain something, and they just it, it was hard to explain. You know where you're at yeah. in some ways, right? Yeah. Uh, but that that to me seems challenging when you may be supporting you know dozens and dozens of games, or or was it yeah. really that there was a depth of knowledge required for a you know, a core set of titles because they were so popular yeah. and yeah, then the yeah, rest well, were kind of That's exactly brand. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- there were some core set um, games, obviously like your, your Sonics, your Alex Kid in Miracle World. Um, oh, you, you get some calls about RPG games like um, The Immortal that came out from Electronic Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, Landstalker. Yeah, so, so you had to be – yeah, you had to – have good knowledge on the uh, very good knowledge on the core games, but have some some very good basic knowledge on your fringe games. So at the end of it all, I reckon I was able to play about 200, 250 games. That's not all of them, but I could, you know, I could memorize where a person would be at because the person just has to say one thing and you know exactly what they're talking about in any part of the game. And the most, like, everybody thinks that the most common calls that we would get would be for Sonic the Hedgehog, but but it wasn't. It was Alex Kidd in Miracle World. <laughs> and um, and the, the main reason for it is, okay, so you had the Mega Drive and Master System. The Master System was cheaper. The parents go out, buy the Master System if they couldn't afford the Mega Drive. Okay, well, Genesis on your side of the on, on the other side of the country of the world. Okay, so so um, so a lot of people would be calling up about Master System games, but the game that came with the Master System was Alex Kidd and Miracle World. It was built in after I think it was the the second or third edition. It was built into the Master System, so that's what all the calls were about. And you get this one call all the bloody time, and it would be, I'm stuck in a room. And what it was is that it's the final stage. It's, it's the end of the game. It's right at the end, and you're stuck in a room, and there's these symbols on the ground, and we get all these calls all the time. Oh, I'm stuck in a room, and there's symbols on the ground. Okay, you got a pen? It <laughs> <laughs> just gets... <laughs> All right, write this down. Sun, waves, moon, star, sun, moon, waves, fish, starfish. And that, oh. was, that was the order that you had to <laughs> so jump you still, on that, those. So that is the actual order? You still remember that? That is the actual order. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And I speak to my old colleagues every now and again. You know, we sort of like have migraines every time. We'd, oh, sun, waves, moon, I've got nightmares. <laughs> I bet you were thinking, yeah. like, some some magazine needs to publish this now so we can stop getting these calls. <laughs> yeah. well, maybe you want these calls because you're making money off it, right? They're the Sega. Uh, so, hey. Yeah, yeah. Um, because um, Sega Aussie Soft also had a magazine called Megazone, and we'll talk about that later. But there were certain codes that they wouldn't put in there because they know that, you know, people wouldn't call in. If, if they put that certain code in there. So they only put in sort of like the not-so-important uh, codes in there. Mm. See what I'm saying? So you've got you to tease them a bit <laughs> to get them to call up. All right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that would be the course. And the kids will ring up. And you get, you know, 
kids three, you know, oh, I really love Sonic. I really love oh, Alex Kid. Oh, what do you? What's it like working there? And you know, <laughs> and so, oh yeah, yeah, it's really good. Oh, 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 geez, I hate to be a Sega master one day. <laughs> so, so it's really good. And then you, and then you hear the the parents in the background saying, "Get off that bloody phone." <laughs> <laughs> we're paying for it. Yeah, right. We're paying for it. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> were, were there um, any strange calls? Uh, you know, again to go back to kind of the the non kid callers. You know, were there any any really strange calls that you oh, received or, or you yeah, would that, get regularly? Oh, I always reminisce about the strangest call I ever got was from a bloke, and um, he couldn't get his Mega Drive out of the box. That was it. <laughs> and I'm like. Well, come on, mate. Come on. Just, just you know, just use it. No, 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 no. I want, I want to keep it in pristine condition. And you know, we're sort of like laughing at him then, but you know, he's probably got you know a perfect unit now unopened, which is worth about eight hundred dollars. Wow, I wonder if it's the JP. There's a one of, yeah. one of yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah. So I'm saying, no, just, just you know, maybe get a knife. No, no, no. I've tried that. I can't open it up. And what there was is that there's this industrial type glue that was used to seal the lids on the boxes and that. And he was saying, oh, I couldn't open it up. I was like, oh, no, I can't open it up. Oh, I'm going to destroy the box. I don't know what to blankety-blank do. Oh, so just just calm down. It's all okay. And and then he got so angry, he just hung up on me. Yeah. No, how to, how to open up um, a Sega Mega Drive box. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! We need we need a walkthrough <laughs> for its stat. <laughs> right, that's it. Yeah, so you get those sorts of weird calls. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that was probably the weirdest one. But um, no, no, but but no, generally all the kids were great and and the mothers were great. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> great. What did, so what did you like most? I mean, I know you kind of had this earlier talked about you, know, you had this dream about working for Sega and being surrounded by people mm. who love Sega and. You know, did did that vibe last over time? You know, did it did it change for you? Like, did I guess the re- the real question here is, what did you like most about it? And maybe what did you like a little bit least as time went on? Okay, okay. So what I loved most was getting the uh, the new releases before anyone else sees them. And when I say new releases, they're not even in a box. They're not even in a cartridge. They're on um, I don't know what you call them, a, a developer's board or a ROM board. What you would get is a set of ROM. Yeah, a prototype, yeah. yeah. So what you would get is the ROMs that would either come from Japan or the US. You get the ROMs, you put them in the board, and you see games that were either near completion or half completed. And that gave us the advantage to do reviews for video games and also start working on the database as well. So you'd see games like uh, the most memorable one was Street Fighter 2. Wow. You know, so you, you're sitting there and you've seen this game in the arcades and there it is in the office playing it like there's no problems at all. And they gave us the control pad. For it, so they gave us a special six-button control pad, um, and that—that that was what was so exciting about working for Sega. 
when Street Fighter 2 came home, it yeah. was incredible. And so yeah. the fact that you were able to play it, you know, and see mm. it before others mm. could, I mean, that, that must have been mm. awesome. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, it was next level sort of stuff because you sort of saw that, um, you know, how the game was presented um, on the screen and then you get this whole new control pad, which is something completely different on top of that. Um, and you think, oh, geez, well, what's going to happen to arcade, you know, centers now, now that this is in your living room? Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we were drooling all over it. I don't think much work got done that day. I'm quite sure. <laughs> I, I, just, imagine. I don't, nah, nah, there wasn't, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was, that was, uh, uh, one of the main things I really enjoyed about it. The other thing was just listening to the kids and helping out the kids, um, just hearing the joy in their fa- uh, in their voices when you hear them get past a certain stage. I say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I did it. Yeah, good on you, mate. Well, keep on going." And <laughs> oh, you're the best. Thanks, mate. <laughs> hang up. So just just hearing joy in kids kids voices. Um, was also uh, great as well. You know, you're the game um, coach, not just the counselor, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's it. That's it. Um, so um, that that was that was the, the thing you also look forward to as well. Um, and also, uh, another part of our role was doing PR things. So, uh, look, the main the main part for me was taking calls and writing down, uh, writing out reviews for video games. Uh, but every now and again, I would also go out and do what we called road shows. So you, you go around to uh, shopping centres where we had this big setup, and all the kids would come in there, and you know we give out uh, freebies, you know, like caps and shirts and that, and and um, you know kids would come up and say, "Oh, you Sega Master Tim?" Go, yeah. Oh, can you sign my cap? And I go, okay. There you go. What's your name? Oh, Alex. Okay. Oh, that's Alex Goodin Medical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so you have like little fans as well. I, I didn't do it as often as say um, some of the other guys like. Um, uh, uh, Nick Nick was one of the other guys that worked there. He did a lot of it. But, uh, yeah, we did PR events. Uh, we had a lot of celebrities come into uh, the offices as well because we do write-ups with them for the magazine. Um, awesome. We used to – yeah, we, we have um, – look, you have your MBL and – we have an MBL as well. Oh, you have MBA, sorry, and we have MBL. And back in the 90s, it was really big. And we had a sponsorship with um, the Sydney team called the Sydney Kings. So what we used to do was, uh, you know, show up to their show up to their games and one of the guys would dress up as Sonic, you know, and, you know, try and promote the brand even more. So you got to do those sorts of things. Um Game releases, you know, you go to uh, special clubs of that, um, you know, and see some more celebrities. So it was sort of like, it, sort of like you were a, a celebrity in a subculture in a weird, weird way, you know. If you knew about Sega, oh, you you sort of know about these guys that worked on the hotline. Yeah, so, so it was very weird, very quasi-life um, that we were living. Yeah, yeah I bet, I bet. A few minutes ago we talked about how important – 
and how big Sega was at the time. And you correct me if I'm wrong here, but you felt like you know, you're kind of riding a wave, right? You're yes. something important happening, and you're a part of it, and it's you know yeah. everyone's talking about it in schools, yeah. and it, video games are maturing too. The whole industry is coming up, so I could I could see how it would feel like you're really a part of something special. Yeah, yeah, something really big, and um, you know it was important to kids. It was important to twenty, thirty something year olds. Um, and obviously that, you know, the numbers would thin out as the age group got older and older. <laughs> yeah. But um, I always remember my sister saying years ago, video games, what's ever going to come of that? Nothing's going to happen there. I don't even know why you got into it. Yeah, so now it's a multi, multi-billion dollar industry, so something came of it at the end of the, at the, end of the day. So well, You could say um, that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it yeah, I was I was on the, the early early parts of that wave and it's great to be part of that history too. So yeah. Yeah. So now on the flip side of that, what do you yeah. what, you know, when you get to the the parts that weren't so exciting, I mean you share with me a little bit over email how, you know, we just had the holidays, you know, recently and mm. you had to work all those, I'm sure. What you know, what were the aspects mm. that you didn't care for so much? <laughs> yeah, working on Christmas Day. Oh my god. Kill me. <laughs> call after call after call after call after call. Oh, giving up our will to leave here was just mental. Yeah, so over the Christmas period, it was just so busy. Yeah, so, and, you know, I, I would miss out on having Christmas with my family, which were, you know, hundreds of kilometres away. I couldn't just pop down and see them. So, yeah, I, I missed out on, on those sorts of things. I didn't really like that. And I think... Um, Near the end of it all, I didn't like the the decisions being made, and I know I was uh, young and immature and didn't really understand the way of the world, how business operates. But when they started charging kids a dollar a minute, um, or they wanted to start start charging kids about being part of a club, I just didn't real uh, really feel comfortable about it because they spent so much of their of their pocket money or their parents paid to pick up a game which you know on average cost about eighty dollars back then that's Australian dollars so I don't know how that converts to to US and as I, as I showed you the other day with one game it was a hundred and twenty nine dollars for a cartridge for a game wow you know and then, and then the company has the audacity to go out and start charging them money to call us up. I just, yeah, just I, that's what I didn't like. I just felt yeah. uncomfortable about that. Yeah, so you were still a fan. It sounds like you were, you know, you were a fan. You're still a fan. You saw yourself in these callers, right? Well, well, I was a caller. We were all those callers. We were all those people that. Well, we we are all gamers at the end of the day. Um, we're just at a slightly different part of that where we're helping those gamers. So we can connect to that. We can understand, you know, the frustration from parents having to pay money after they've already paid so much money. So, yeah, I, I didn't feel comfortable about that. That was, the, that was the main thing that sort of put me off. You know, I didn't really care about the what was coming up with the other competitors like, um, sunny PlayStation and that it didn't worry me too much. It was just you know some of the decisions about 
the club I didn't really feel comfortable about. Yeah, which is really sad. What can I do? <laughs> yeah. You shared with me a video over email. You sent me a link to a video yes. where someone ran, you know, someone took some video of a you know, typical day in the office. Or maybe it wasn't a typical day. <laughs> <laughs> day, in the day I hope no, it wasn't a typical it wasn't. day. It, it, like you said no. earlier, it seemed like there was much work getting done. But no. when no. I saw it, it was like a time machine you know when you yep. see you go back to the early 90s and it's just the clothes the hair the the vibe <laughs> the you know just it really brought me back and I, I would love for you know, as a part of releasing this interview i'd love to you know have that link shared out or you know and really get more people to see this because it's yeah. just it's fantastic it's just mind-boggling no that, that that was from one of my colleagues brian um and he's got his own youtube channel um out himself um it's called Sin Spaces. Uh, but how how he was able to still keep that after all these years, and I'm, and I'm looking at the team there, but no, not much work was getting done because I think it was, I think the day before or after Christmas. Um, no, no, it wasn't then. No, no, it was just, no, I don't think it was Christmas. I just trying to think. It was on a weekend, and it was pretty slow, and not much was happening. So, uh, yeah, I can't say we were very well behaved in that episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's um, exciting. But, that's exciting. but you'd, you'd have a couple of days like that where you know, you know, there might be a game that comes in, or you know, so everybody has this group mentality that. I just can't be stuffed today. <laughs> so, um, but there, there, there were days that, you know, we'd all be on the phones and we'd muck around and all that between calls. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of camaraderie there. I can Definitely. imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, especially at yeah. that age, phase of life, especially, you know, you're all, like you said, it's your first, you know, job and, you know, you're young. I'm sure there's a lot, you know, a lot of uh, people hanging out after shift or, you know, yeah. you know, and things like that. Is it, was that the case that you have with those? Did, did everyone become your friends as well or? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. They became, well, they, they were my first workmates. Um, and I didn't know anyone up in, in Sydney at all. I just pulled up, you know, pulled up all my, me collection of games and whatever I had, put them in the back of a small car and drove up there. I, I really didn't know anyone. So it was a big learning curve for me. So I relied on these guys as my mates. Um, they may not realise it to this day, but um, I needed them to sort of, you know, get myself familiar to not only working in, in Sydney, but understanding about, um, living in a city because I just lived in a small town. I, I had no idea. Yeah, so um, so I, I needed them as my friends and my guides as well. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> when you think back to those times, are, are there any other aspects of being a game counselor that people would be surprised to hear? Um, the other aspects is just your, your, how much you needed to know. Mm. On a whim, I, I think I've, I've sort of touched on it before, but you had to know your stuff. You couldn't just walk in there and just be a fanboy. You had to go in there and know your stuff, memorize your stuff. Uh, we weren't tested on it, but we would sort of challenge each other on our mm. knowledge. And there were some guys there that were really good with uh, RPGs, some people that were good at platformers, some people were good at certain types of games and that. So, um, and this is something 
you, you had to understand. It wasn't just, you know, making calls. You had to know what you were playing, how to play it, and have, you know, like, like with certain games, you know, you've got to have excellent eye-hand coordination. So you, mm-hmm. your eye-hand has to be very good as well. Um, yeah. And it wasn't something you could really switch off from because, you know, you, you put it on yourself to take a game home that night. So after you've had dinner, you try cracking it as well. So Oh, wow. So you're you playing at to, home too. Wow. Yeah, so playing at home. So it to me at the time, it wasn't – it wasn't the ordeal of playing the game at home because, you know, I like playing video games. That wasn't yeah. the issue. I think the more more of the thing was just writing things down, taking notes, and then transferring that information onto our mm-hmm. database. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- there was a lot to it, uh, but but there were a lot of fun times that balanced it all out. You know, work hard, play hard, basically. Yeah. yeah. It sounds exciting. Sounds like you guys were the, you know, the real deal. And that, to me, as a mm. kid looking at magazines, I remember, you know, my experience was with Nintendo game counters because I was, you know, uh, I think more of a Nintendo fanboy than Sega. Yeah. Certainly, you know, I yeah. think I'm more into Sega now than I've ever been in my life. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, for just, you know, podcasts and other reasons. But I remember Nintendo, for example, used to have profiles in Nintendo Power where they had, you know, these little profiles of the counselors and they would have. Oh, these, yeah little snippets of their accomplishments or things. And I remember as a kid uh, reading those going like, wow, like you know, these guys are really, really good, you know? And so I don't think that's in the Australian nature to have like a profile <laughs> put in and say, who's accomplished this? Aussies <laughs> would just say, you know, I don't, don't know if you want to blanket out, but they would just basically say that, um, that you're a wanker. <laughs> something like that out there but the funny thing uh one of the guys brian what he used to do every now and again is ring up the nintendo hotline down here and ask um uh when was when was sonic coming out on the nintendo right. you know <laughs> or or how, how do i um uh I bought this. Uh, I bought this Sonic the Hedgehog game, and I couldn't put it into the Nintendo machine. What? Why is that? <laughs> just to um, just to sort of play a few fun and games with them to say. That's yeah. great. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, I, I used to work at it. Well, my first job was working at a, a Blockbuster video rental store, and yeah. we had, we had a rival video store across the street and we used to play pranks on each other. It reminds me of that same kind of, you know, that, that kind of fun pranks going back and forth between the two big rivals. But, well, no one won in that war, did they? No, they did so not. <laughs> no, they did Right, kind of, yeah, well, the troop in that battle, but... Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, and uh, the other... We might as well go on to the other aspect of the job and that was writing um, reviews for magazines so um we'd have a we had a magazine over here called megazone it was owned by sega uh sega sega aussie sauce so you can obviously understand the main content within that was all about sega games and nothing else all right so so we would do reviews of that 
Um, um, I had a problem where I was a little bit too honest and a lot of my reviews had to be re-edited. <laughs> okay, so I would say this game sucks. I, you know, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't even wish it on my worst enemy. Anyway, so, you know, I'd say that and then they'd, they'd sort of change that around to, I don't think this game would be to everyone's liking. You know, so. <laughs> but that was one of the other things we had to do was also write for, for magazines. Um, and so that gave me I, – I, I can't say I was the best at it. There were The other guys on the hotline were a, a lot better at it. Um, and I think that merely comes from my education. I, As I said earlier, I left school early, so I, I wasn't that good at putting together, um, you know, writing out essays or exams so you know trying to convey what i wanted to say through words was a little bit harder for me than what it was for other people so i can understand why mine was heavily edited yes <laughs> you did share with me talking about megazone you did share with me that there was a, a certain issue that caused some controversy uh, could you talk a little bit about that okay so aladdin <laughs> aladdin oh god Disney game, family friendly game. All right, so what we, a lot of the magazines back in the 90s, they were all, a lot of them were hand drawn. So they were all drawn out because, you know, the, the magazine wanted to convey their view, views or thoughts on the game. So they, they did their own drawings. And, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them were quite violent, you know, like you have blood, gore, and all that on the covers and that, but nobody really thought anything of it. It was just the way it was back then. So anyway, Aladdin's going to be released. $129, this machine, this game is going to cost us. It's family, Disney favourite and all that. And they <laughs> throw on the cover and you've got uh, whatever the genie's name is, you know. So you've got the blue genie in the background. You've got the prince there with his arm around the princess and there's a monkey sitting out the side. Now, when you look at it, you think, oh, yeah, Aladdin and all that. But all you had to do was look at the direction of everyone's eyes. <laughs> and uh, all I have to say is that everybody was focused on the woman's uh, frontal. I don't need to say anything else because it's a family, <laughs> family show. <laughs> and everyone's got a cheeky grin about, yeah, you yeah, check that out. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that. The number of calls we would get about that. How dare you? Do you realize what? Oh my God. I'm just. <laughs> so I kept several copies of that because I'm sure that one day this conversation will be had across you the world. Right. <laughs> and. Oh, but and look, the the picture looked great. The colours were perfectly balanced. It was so well drawn. But why did they have to do that with the eyes? Was really? do you think that was intentional, or do you know if that was, or was it just? It it had to be. It had to be intentional because um, understanding the writers and the editors at the time, everybody was a little bit cheeky to say, a mm. little bit. Um, rude and, and so what you're trying to do is maybe put a hidden message in there somewhere or or just oh. try and grab people's attention in, in some way. There was a, another edition where we had this competition I think it was uh, it'd say oh, you have to if you, if you want to win this 
in 25 words or less do this or else we'll murder this koala and they've got you know a, a oh koala God. there with a gun to its head <laughs> and the calls we got about oh you murderers <laughs> oh God. So, so they, they they pushed the boundaries a little bit too far there was like even <laughs> there was even a, a a double page spread about sex in video games and this has been handed out to children so there well, wasn't much wow. yeah 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 talking about you know what what could happen in the future, you know, or what they think was going to happen in the future. And um, I just I, I don't think, you know, I know you've got to fill up your, your magazines with content. It's really hard, but, oh, my God, yeah. So, wow. but, but we didn't think much about it back then. Um, we generally, the general population didn't give much thoughts would, but if you look back now, it's, it's a little bit cringeworthy, to be yeah. honest. It's interesting yeah. because I wonder if maybe it was a combination of events. I mean, it, you know, back going back to the 90s and certainly the mm. 80s, you see examples of a lot less sensitivity in media. Yes. Um, you know, there's there's also, you know, the Sega at the time was kind of pushing the limits a little bit in general, right? Yes, 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 they were. Um like the the ad there, you know, Sega does what Nintendo, you know, they were they were um, being not not being friendly. Let's mm-hmm. just say that, you know, mm-hmm. um, being smart and that. So yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. So that's why for, for a lot of people, it didn't really affect them back in the nineties. Uh, you would just get some people. Oh, well, some people, sometimes some people turns out to be a lot of people <laughs> um, on certain particular topics. Um, whether they learnt their lesson after each time, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they just did the same thing in a different way, hoping that they could get away with it again. <laughs> I'm not really sure. But, um, no, they, they were fun guys um, that were working in uh, – in the editing department at Megazone. Yeah. So going back mm. to your, your game counseling days, you know, getting into the mid nineties, there's a certain mm. point where you transition out of game counseling. Was that something yes. that you wanted to do or was it just the, the, the way things worked out? It's, it's a bit half and half. So what happened was the hotline got sold off to a telemarketing company. Um, and they let go of pretty much all the staff, bar a couple. Um, and the whole idea was they were left over to help train the new staffers at this um, at this telemarketing company. Now, the thing that I hated about it was a few reasons. The first thing was that n- n- they loved games, but they weren't Sega fans. That was one. Two, um, they wanted to charge a dollar a minute, and you'll understand why I get angry about that. The third thing was that they weren't allowed to play video games. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You had to read everything off a screen. You weren't allowed to play. You just had to read off a screen. So this goes back to what I was saying before. You had to know games inside and out. You're stuck on a, you know, if a kid says there's a red block or there's a room with symbols on it, okay, you have to know the game inside out 
and know straight away with what they're talking about. But if you're going to send a bunch of, of newbies that have not much passion, not much knowledge about the games into a job, start charging, let's, let's be frank here, parents a dollar a minute mm-hmm. with poor knowledge and poor skills, you can, you can only t- know what was going to eventuate out of that. And people are going to be turned off from it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was time to leave. And and the PlayStation was was um, coming over the horizon. You could see mm-hmm. what it could do. So yeah. Sega's days were numbered. So it was yeah. time to move on. It yeah. certainly seemed that Sega was playing the catch-up game after after that point. Oh yeah, big time, yeah. big time. Okay. Yes, yes. So yeah, that that uh, that that is sad. Um, I can understand for business reasons why the hotline got sold off. Um, you know, they wanted to make a profit somewhere or that. But if you're going to replace, you know, uh, years and years of experience, we're probably talking about uh, well over 15 years of experience, you know, if you add it all together with all the staff there and just flop it away with a a couple of young kids that had no idea uh, why, why do it? Why do it? It's just, yeah, yeah, pretty sad. Oh, well. Magic's lost at that point. (laughs) Yeah, the magic is gone. (laughs) Are are you still in contact with anyone from those days besides, say, Brian? And I mean, I'm I'm curious about your, your, you know, your contact at uh, Sega from those early days. I mean, who else is that? I had, I had a brief, I had a brief contact with um, Judy Jet a few months ago through LinkedIn because I've been trying to find her, and I thought I'll have it if I look through. LinkedIn, and I found her there because uh, to this day, and I and I hope Judy, she's listening. I can't thank her enough for where I am now, uh, because if it wasn't for her, with all those cheats, that wouldn't have that wouldn't have got me to where I am now. You know, um, I wouldn't have right. got out of that small town. I wouldn't have been able to experience all those great times at Sega and all the years and days after that. Um, so I sent her a message and both the, the message was brief back. Oh yes. Um, oh, thank you so much. Um, I remember you too. It was only brief short, but that's all. I just wanted to tell her how much she meant to me because she did quite frankly change my life at that point of time that hadn't have happened then i want to be sitting here talking to you about the crazy times in the 90s yeah so (laughs) that's great that's great it is amazing when you know just to think about how certain people how much they mean to you you know they may not realize how just how much it is but like you know i think you can only hope that you've done the same for someone else i guess right yeah 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 and uh, i think i I sort of live off that ethos now you know I'll, i'll help out anyone that i can see that needs a hand whether it's asked for for it or not um and yeah i've only got judy to to thank for that um so you've played a lot of sega over the years it sounds like (laughs) 
Yes. Know a thing or two about Sega from the inside. Um, so I, I think yeah. our listeners... Oh, the, the brain's a bit, you know, memory's a bit scratchy these days. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are curious. I, I think I've drunk, a lot of, I've drunk a lot of alcohol. That's what you're going to say, the Sega Kool-Aid, as we would say, right? <laughs> right. What's your favorite Sega system and Sega games? Okay. Um, favorite system, it it have to be the Mega Drive slash the Genesis, um, because yes. it was a, I think it was the game changer. Um, it created the console war. Uh, yeah, that, that that was the main the main console. So that that that's my favourite. Um, favourite game. Oh, jeez, I've been asked this a few times before, and it seems like it changes every time <laughs> I talk about this. <laughs> um, so it's probably not Alex think, Kid, right? I mean, oh, that was, God. That's a, safe, that's a safe bet, right? God, no. No, not <laughs> Alex Kid. Okay, uh, let's be frank. I'm not a fan of platforms because every second game back in the 90s was a platform. So if I saw one more freaking platform game, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, no fan of it at all. So I, I would say my favorite game and so i'm looking over at my games right now um i would have to say it's rocket night adventures i would have to say that and then next to that i always like playing super hang on um i'm I'm a bit of a racing fan i don't mind racing games but but not the too technical i like the more arcadey side of things Mm -hmm. so so super hang on will be my next one after that yeah yes yeah, so. i'm intrigued now because i i got recently got a sega master system bought it off ebay i never had one as a kid i mm. got a grip of games one of them was a like combo cartridge with with hang on it's probably the simplest game in the lot but i played that the most um yeah. but i forgot there was a super hang on so now i'm really intrigued to go out and play that yeah. one yeah it's super super hang on it, it obviously graphics are better colors better um I just, I just, yeah, just it just feels better to play than than Hang On on the Master System. I, I used to play Hang On a lot when I had the Master System, but well, once I got the Mega Drive, uh, yeah, I, I've I would take that up. Oh, third game, third game. It's just hit me. Golden Axe. Golden. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Golden Axe. Golden Axe. Even though there was no Golden Axe. There was no Golden Axe. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Though, though there was no Golden Axe. Yes. That's yes. Right. So that, that would be my, my third favorite out That's of right. the lot. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds so, like a, so I've played, um, yeah, only one of those, really Golden Axe. I haven't played Rocket Knight Adventures. You and I have had a conversation on that game, though, yes. over email. <laughs> Um, yeah. As I told you, I had uh, at a, a flea market yeah, years ago, I think now, a couple of years mm. ago, mm. Uh, a co-host of the podcast, JP and I were just wandering about and I saw a stack of what I found out were these promo cards, yeah. they were little like little like collectible card size uh, cards, <laughs> but they were to promote Rocket Knight Adventures before the game came out, yeah. obviously. And one, there are two sealed packages, probably you may add them a couple hundred cards in each package. So it just at a random table, um, wasn't a video game merchandise table or anything like that. 
picked him up for, mm. I think, a couple of bucks. Um, I turned around to show JP, and I bumped into something and ended up dropping one right on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> the package oh, exploded. And no. he just proceeded to make fun of me the whole walk back to our car. Um, but <laughs> I've been sitting on these for a while, and, and I've never played the game. I don't have any nostalgia. And there was a point where... I was going to take to Twitter, or, you know, and just try to find someone who, like, who's got the top, who's who's the speedrun king for Rocket Knight Adventures, or who has high scores? Like, <laughs> how can I get, how can I get these into the hands of someone who loves this game? And I never just got around to it. And then when you and I met online, uh, about, you know, I asked you this question earlier over email, and you mentioned Rocket Knight Adventures. I was thinking, this is this is the guy. <laughs> this, <is> finally, <laughs> yeah, this is the man. <laughs> I found him finally. Like <laughs> got a box to mail with these cards in it is that right <laughs> yes thank you so much man that's that's awesome yeah uh, and just to the listeners out there so I was mentioning about working for uh doing write-ups for megazone magazine but one of the other jobs we were given was to do walkthroughs for games but not just by text we had to do screenshots so with this particular game, I did this with two games. So there was this one and Flashback. Um, what I had to do, let's say, without any notice, just they gave me the game. So, Tim, play the game, write the walkthrough, and uh, tomorrow can you go into whatever offices and play it again, and we'll do all the screenshots so we can map out the walkthrough for it. So it's ready for the publishers. So my job was to play game, crack game, um, write it all through within, okay, so I would find out like 5 o'clock in, uh, in the afternoon, so 5 o'clock. So I would go home, eat, play it back to front. A lot of these games had very basic save features, so you could only go back. So you had to keep on playing, 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 playing to get forward, keep on writing notes. So that night, I think I got one or two hours sleep. Jeez. I woke up, went to the publishers, walked in, played the game again. And look, once again, kids, just understand, taking a screenshot on your monitor is easy now. You can understand what it was like <laughs> back then. It would, on average, take you about three minutes to take one screenshot to save it, download it, put it in the set. Oh, my God, it was so tedious. <laughs> they were the killers. They I were, bet. yeah. So so me doing a walkthrough for it um, be my favourite game. It wasn't my favourite game then when I was doing the walkthrough. But, um, but, but, you know, sending through those, those cards was just awesome. It sort of like completes it all to say. So I've got right. the walkthrough there. I've still got the walkthrough in the magazine. I've got the game. I've got the cards. It's, There's your reward, it's, right? It's, That's awesome. Yeah, That's yay. Like, it was all worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, I'm so glad that I ran into those cards now. I mean, just it seems like uh, it was all meant to be. I would tell you, yeah. technically, I would worry about being asked to write the walkthrough for something like Battletoads or Zombies yeah. Angry Neighbors or one of these really hard games where I'd be like, well, I'll map out the first level, but I can't make any promises. Yeah, yeah. How do you, and, and imagine games where you can't save. Where there's yeah, no right. continue feature. How do you do it? Um, so that's where you could only really do text. So the walkthroughs that you got 
uh, on screen were either one of two things, games that had save features or or the other one was that they they had – no, there's three reasons. The second one was that you could work, a, work out a cheat code so you could skip between stages. And the third one would be if you got it in ROM form and you had uh, freedom to go anywhere because it, it hadn't been completed – um, in setting Very up the cool. game properly, so they were the three ways you could do walkthroughs, um, where you map out all the images on where you're going. So yeah. you had yeah. almost like a master copy in so, in some ways, right? Where you could in some games you could you had a little mm. bit more freedom than a freedom than a a player would have when the game was eventually released. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Did you have but, any uh, interactions with uh, any? other industry people or programmers or anything as you were, you know, I mean, you guys were an important feedback loop, right? To the programmers was working with not. What was that like? Very, very little, very little. um, If anything at all, Mm. Um, because as I'm saying, Aussie soft only had the license. They didn't really produce games in any sense. So we couldn't really, yeah, we couldn't really say anything. Um, it was mainly left up to Sega Japan and, and the US to bring out the games and we said, you know, they'd say jump and we'd ask how high. So there, there wasn't that yeah. much flexibility. Um, uh, speaking uh, earlier this year, I was part of a podcast with Al Nielsen, who was the marketing yes. guru who, yes. who came out with the, um, the phrase, Sega does that Nintendo don't, but he said he he never came down to Australia because he knew Sega was that we were looking after things just fine down here. We had such a large market share. He didn't have to go down here. We were doing all the right things anyway. Right. Yep. So so uh, yeah yeah. So no, but we did we didn't really have any real say in how the final product would be presented to everyone. Um, maybe just the 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 cover maybe the cover of the game but <laughs> but uh, no. well i don't know I mean, after no, that megazone cover i don't <laughs> know if you guys should be in the business <laughs> no i i wouldn't go to us no, no you, know, you, might, you might end up with miss june 1998 we've shared a lot of great stories i mean I, i'm sure you and i could have another hour or two <laughs> on talking about the history oh, Who knows? yeah man we may have another opportunity. I would absolutely love to talk with you some more about the the, the good old days of gaming. Yeah. So what's I, I next hope for you? Like in the world of gaming, are we going to see you know Tim Gadler starting some new projects or doing any more podcasts like this? Or I'm, I'm I've got on my Twitter account slowly coming out of retirement. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, look, honestly, you guys that do podcasts, anyone who does vlogs, anyone who does that sort of stuff, I have the utmost respect because of the time and energy that it takes to do. I'm really not sure what I'm going to do with what I know and my experiences. I, you know, I just, I just don't know whether it will be worth it. <laughs> uh, I'm quite, I'm quite happy to help out anyone with their podcasts and do these interviews and talk about these days and that. But I really don't know. All I'm basically doing now is, you know, picking up video games as I go along, 
and it just put them in the collection. And so I said on my Twitter account, maybe I should have asked for shelving for Christmas because I'm starting to run out. So <laughs> it's easy to do. I don't it's know easy. whether I'm collecting or hoarding right now. It's, it's mm. a very, very grey line between the two. So um, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I need to ask more people about it as to how they go about it and the, the amount of time and the right equipment that they go through. And then what the hell am I going to talk about? I really don't know. <laughs> well, I'm really glad that you know. shared your stories with us today. And um, yeah, we d- I'm sure I can speak for the audience and just, you know, saying that yeah. you wish you the absolute best. And this has been really exciting. And where can, where can people find you? Look for me on Twitter. It's uh, Tim Gadler. So G-A-D-L-E-R. Uh, so Tim Gatler, um, you'll see me under the underneath that hashtag, and you'll know it's me straight away because there's this old sticker I've got for my banner that we use for the hotline. Um, so you'll see me there. I'm pretty much, I think I'm pretty much the only Tim Gatler in, in the world. I don't know of many others, <laughs> to be honest. So, yeah, just look for me there, and every now and again I'll, I'll put up a post about little finds I make and, and that, but... Um, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Well, I'm excited but, to share the the podcast with our with our audience, and and uh, maybe they'll have an additional question or two for you. Um, I'm sure they're going to yell at me for forgetting some obvious question. <laughs> you know, uh, why didn't you ask him about so and so? So if you're open you to it, say that? Right. no, no, yeah, yeah. But if you do have any questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. Um, you know, well, I, the one question I always get about about Sega is oh, what do you think caused them to collapse? And, you know, I, I can go on forever in a day what I think, but I think it's all pretty much set out there about them. So, yeah. But no, no please, ask me any questions. I'm more than happy to answer them. Yeah. I think people are going to dig the interview, and, and I really appreciate your time, Tim. Oh, oh, thanks, guys. And anyone out there, you know, look, uh, told you my story where I was at, you know, um, if you don't know what to do with your life, just chase something that you really enjoy and love, whether it be video games or that, and there's always a chance for you. Don't ever believe that you can't do something, you know. Just get out there and put your best foot forward because, you know, you're going to be good at something that you know a lot about. And for me, it was video games, and it's got me to where I am today, which is, you know, just... Happy and comfortable. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. And it sounds like uh, write that letter, right? <laughs> you know? Yes, write that letter. You never know because uh, I tell you what, somebody's going to give you an opportunity. You've got to work hard for it, but somebody's going to say, yeah, I think this person's all right. I'll give them a go. So, yeah, just keep on, keep on trying. Don't give up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. I appreciate, uh, again, all the time. And, and again, looking forward to getting some feedback on the podcast. And, and we will definitely catch you soon. See you later, Zach. Good on you, mate. Yeah. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. You. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. The opinions and views expressed on the Retro Game Guys podcast represent the views of the speaker alone and are not the views of our employers.